as they can go and they have harnesses on that I just learned this week they didn't strike them dead because their logic was if this thing starts to go over we want to be able to scramble on the other side and ride it down I'm convinced that the only reason they're still alive today is because Judy Heron who is a member of Terza and goes up to Bonnet Park and then volunteers a lot of landscaping help. She happened to be up there and saw what was going on and just stopped and started praying for it right now. And we're, we're thankful for that. But in case you're somebody who likes to hear the rest of the story, Steve is still a good friend of the family. He was in Jamie and Tiffany's wedding and he is some sort of federal agent who takes care of children are growing up. As parents, you just always wonder a little bit about their friends, and with good reason. Because Solomon makes it very clear in starting to talk about that right out of the gate in the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs, because after he gives us the thesis of this book in verse 7, where he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge despise wisdom and instruction. The very next words are like this. My son, hear your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, do not walk in the way with them. And in this first chapter, Solomon describes these sinners as basically criminals. Those who will steal and plunder, those who will take advantage of other people, those who will serve their own interests to the harm of others. You see, if you've ever studied the book of Proverbs, you may remember that the first nine chapters are sort of preparatory in nature, where Solomon, through his father, will tell his son he's getting ready to tell him in the rest of the book. And in these early chapters, he basically warns the son of predictable temptations that will encourage him to hang out with the wrong kinds of people. Temptations like belonging for acceptance, something we all have, and especially our children and young people have. Temptations like the love of money or the lust of the things of the flesh, and on and on we could go. And all of this teaching in chapters 1 through 9 sets the stage, so to speak, for the actual Proverbs to come, which begin in chapter 10. And so with that little introduction in mind, we come to our text. A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And why will they suffer harm? Because he's already told us at the end of the first verse to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. They're going to be involved. 
So together as we have these two verses, one scholar points to the fact that they connect wisdom and longing, encouraging the reader that having desires is not necessarily a bad thing, but can be a good thing. Yet those desires must be sought using wisdom and God's will instead of going one's own way and doing just whatever you want, using foolish or sinful avenues. We can see that fools not only refuse to turn from evil, they also fail to choose the right kind of friends. And as you know, and as the Bible teaches, there are consequences to every decision in life, and this choice of friends is so important, not just for our children, but also for ourselves, because as one person put it, we, we can see what we'll be like in five years when we survey the sorts of people that are around us on a regular basis. That's why this passage of Scripture speaks so clearly, not just to our children, not just to our young people, but to all of us. And it's also why the New Testament teaches us in Hebrews 10 to not neglect to meet together as the body of Christ because if we're to be wise in our choice of companions, then obviously the place for companions is the body of Christ. We need to be spending time with each other. And as we read through the Proverbs, we can see that we're warned about all kinds of people who make dangerous friends. We've already talked about those who are criminals. Obviously, it makes sense to stay away from that sort of person. But there are other kinds of people that we can see all through the book of Proverbs. I'll give you just three examples. In Proverbs 20.19, we read, He who goes about gossiping reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who speaks foolishly. In 22-24, we find these words. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and become entangled in a snare. And in 24-21, we read, My son, fear the Lord and the King, and do not associate with those who change. In other words, we're all encouraged to especially those we call our close friends, companions who tend to be prone to anger, gossip, or speaking ill of others are obviously trouble when it comes to friends. But what does that last verse I quoted mean about not associating with those who change? The word change means to alter, pervert, or disguise. People given a change are deceitful. They are they're the kind of person that act one way one day, and then the next day, they're a totally different person almost. It's almost like they have a Jekyll Hyde kind of complex going on. They wear false faces. They have hidden agendas in life. 
is the great liar, who is the great deceiver of all of the world. And this is why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, his great chapter on the resurrection, says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Well, that sounds like something that comes out of the book of Proverbs, but he's quoting a Greek proverb of the day, we believe. And he's warning those in the church at associate with those who deny the truth of the resurrection. So in the New Testament we see that it's important not to hang around with people who deny the truth of God's word or the gospel. Now for those of you who were here last Lord's Day, you may be having a little quandary along right now because you're thinking, uh, I thought you preached last Sunday. scriptural way to phrase this question is, how do we live in the world and yet are not of the world? And every child in here under the age of seven knows the answer. Because the answer in the children's stories is always what? Jesus. That's the answer. You look to Jesus' life and example as it's portrayed to us in the gospel. Jesus Christ, we can see wisdom lived out each and every day. You may recall that the Jewish religious authorities referred to Jesus in a derogatory way by saying he's a friend of sinners. But you can just hear him saying, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He spent time with them. He ate at their homes. He did favors for them. He met and talked with people like collectors and soldiers and prostitutes, but he never compromised his reputation by being alone, say, with a prostitute. You know, he, he converted prostitutes, but he didn't preach the gospel in their bedrooms. He was out in the open, in the wide open spaces, even if he was with a woman alone. It was in the middle of the day by a well in a busy was compassionate towards sinners, but he also had and used God's wisdom and his discretion, and he remained dependent upon his father and the choices he made and the people with whom he met. We can see in his life an example how we too 
says, yes, I'm a Christian, and the other says, you know, I, I don't really care about the church, I don't believe in God, then I cannot marry, because Scripture tells us we're not to be unequally yoked. Now, we began today talking about friends, and whether they're good friends or questionable because of their character. What kind of friends do you have around you? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Our intimate, close friends, what kind of people are they? And then, better yet, what kind of friend are we to others? Our good news today is that just like the hymn, Jesus, as we saw in our first reading, said, Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what he proceeded to do on the cross, where he yielded up his life and became obedient unto death, even death, on the cross for your sins and for mine, so that we might enjoy redemption and salvation. And then Jesus said, I have called you friends, and you are my friends. choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. That's our call. And sometimes it's a fine 